all the little things about it that, you know, made everything a little different. And what is the sole stitching on a Gaziano and Girling shoe? You know, how is that different than the Carminas? You know, one costs 1200 bucks, one's 450 bucks. Am I going to enjoy this other shoe three times as much? Kinda, I kinda did. Dress Shoe Cast! Welcome to the final episode of the sixth season of the Stitch Down Shoe Cast, where we talk quality footwear, how it's made, and all the things we love about it, including dress shoes. That's right. We're absolutely sick of talking about boots and may never do it again. Possibly, who knows? We'll decide later. But at least for today, we're lucky enough to have someone named Ticho, who used to be a really fancy person at one point and still likes being a somewhat really fancy person sometimes. And most importantly, knows a ton about dress shoes and wants to tell you every last bit of it. Six seasons, Ticho. That means we're more popular than Downtown Abbey, which is definitely how it's pronounced. I looked it up. I think they only had five. Great work. Anything that you would like to say to the people deranged enough to listen to this show for over two years now? I'd start with thank you. Thank you for listening to this. Nice. Good idea. You know, we started this, yeah, in 2020, pandemic times, two guys in our basements uh, talking about shoes. And, you know, now I've had dozens and dozens of uh, people reach out to me, say they've listened to this and that they enjoy it. Because somebody told me that he just starts listening to it and listens until it ends and then starts again, which is cool. I like that guy. Somebody told me they listen to it while they fall asleep. That means I'm seeping into your dreams, which I also love. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. And thank you, Ben, for uh, doing literally all the work of making this um, and allowing me to just kind of pop on and talk about hot dogs and talk about, you know, goofy stuff. So I appreciate you, man. Surely you do something, some of the work, right? I don't think so. I really don't do anything. You do everything. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Never really thought about it that way. Luckily, I enjoy just listening to you talk. And uh, I think today's going to be a pretty big episode for that because I like dress shoes. I have some that I love. Uh, I enjoy when I get opportunities to wear them. I used to force it a little bit more, you know, like no good reason or maybe even wear them with like jeans or, you know, pull out a nice pair of pants for just a normal day, a normal trip to the, the seltzer store or wherever I might be going. Love that seltzer store. But you're like a pro. And so I'm going to ask you, because we, we told each other we got to live this one, right? Let's get a little dressed up for this episode. Mm-hmm. What do you got? What do you got? And not just the shoes, because that was the challenge. I can see you right now, and you don't look bad. Well, thank you, man. It's always, uh, it's always a pleasure for me to uh, pop on a suit. I love wearing suits. I love getting dressed up. I, I stopped having to wear a suit for work like three years ago. Didn't get rid of a single suit. I still have every, my cl- I have a whole closet full of suits that get worn at weddings and for podcasts, apparently. Yep. Busted out. Most of my suits are uh, are from Suit Supply. Really? Yeah. I find, uh, what I found is that Suit Supply suits, A, fit me right off the rack super duper well, and B, they're pretty cheap and they do like an outlet. They do this like outlet sale where you can get these suits for like 200 bucks. Uh, so I just loaded up on all those. So I've got like a ton of just Suit Supply suits. They're great. Shout out to Suit Supply. Then I had to, you know, bust out, uh, you, you know, wearing the dress shoes. You, you know, you don't want to be in, in your big old boot socks, right? You got to get the dress socks out. I like the over-the-calf dress sock. I love them. I got some from Boardroom Socks like 
right when this all started up, we had a giveaway way back. I should get back in touch with him in the Discord, and he sent me some of the over-the-calf ones, and I'm like, where do I put my shin guards? I quickly adapted. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. They don't fall down. That's actually exactly what I'm wearing, um, because one of the first, like, you know, kind of, like, shoe-related kind of, like, pieces of work, I guess I did, was I did, like, a lot of photography for boardroom socks. Oh, right. Yeah, they sent me, like, just one of everything, right? So I have, like, dozens and dozens of these over the... And they're, like, merino wool... They make them in, uh, I think, around Greensboro, North Carolina. And they're great. They've held up super well uh, for like a few years that I've been. Granted, I have a ton of them, but not a single one has worn out or needed to get replaced. The other thing I really like to do with the over to the cap dress sock, if you're flying and you're going to be sitting down for like hours and hours, you can do the over the calf dress sock. The First of all, merino wool. You know how I feel about wool. Wool cast. It's going to regulate your temperature super well on your feet, right? And then the over the calf, you got a little pressure over the calf. No, no swollen ankles, no swelling of any kind in your lower extremities. So that's a little teacher tip for you. Oh, damn. That's a good one. Yeah. So you're wearing socks. I'm glad we've established that. Yeah, it's kind of like a brown tweed, tweedish kind, kind of suit here that, that I like. It's basically my number one suit. I wear it for like weddings and stuff. Uh, I didn't take like a Fitbit. We're doing this at night, but I can uh, post a picture of me wearing the suit. Got olive, uh, olive boardroom socks over the calf. And then on my feet, had to go for the big dogs, Hiro Yanagamachi, Split Toe, Blucher, Blucher? Blucher. Uh, pretty sure it's Blucher. Dupuis Calf. Uh, I ordered these at a trunk show at Lafoe, a name I definitely know how to pronounce correctly. These were like my first like huge shoe purchase where I was like, I'm going... All in on shoes. I've been dipping my toe in. I've been wearing a lot of, you know, a lot of different dress shoes, a lot of really good value dress shoes. Here's the one where I'm going made to order from a, you know, a Japanese bespoke maker at this, you know, trunk show at Lafoe. They couldn't be nicer, man. They're just awesome. Like I slip my feet into these things and it is just, it's a dream. It's a dream. And uh, a couple years ago, I had my buddy, uh, my buddy Greg. Greg Park at Hancor, who uh, at the time was working at the uh, the J. Fitzpatrick shop uh, in New York. I had him spruce them up a little bit with a little patina, so they got a little uh, little spicy flair to them now, which uh, makes them really fun. Day-night soul. Day-night soul, because I was like, I'm going to be pounding the pavement in these things. For many years, I need like a day-night soul. A little bit of regret there. Wish I had some nice, you know, some nice soul finishing and some metal toe taps and that kind of thing on them, but you live and learn. That's dress shoes, you know? You got you got to try a bunch of different stuff and figure out what you like. So what about you, man? You're looking uh, looking pretty fresh here. Walk me through this. This is one, are we going to see this on Stitch Down Daily Fits? I also didn't take a fit pick. Maybe I'll get back into it tomorrow. When we publish this episode, I will get back up in this, uh, this zoot suit of mine and stand outside my door and, you know, take take a bad... Uh, selfie uh everybody follow at stitch down daily fits it's it's the hottest account out there you might see a post every one to three months gotta set those expectations i mean it's a good thing that we're we don't do a suit podcast or we we would do a great one and we'd save everybody a ton of money because j crew fits me perfectly is often much cheaper than you would expect it uh and i have access to the j crew men's shop in tribeca new york which always just has this great stuff. And they told me one time, they're like, we, we do a good business here, but like the volume compared to everything else, like 
They're like, don't send us anything back. Don't when the season's over, like just sell it for whatever you can get for it. So I got the suit for that I got married in, uh, which I'm wearing right now and, and feeling absolutely great about, and somehow still fits for I don't know, like 275 bucks, and it's beautiful. I didn't know you were gonna wear the heroes, but I knew you were gonna bring some heat, so I felt like I had to one up you a little bit. I'm wearing the Dinks, man. <laughs> uh, the Heinrich Dinkelocker Buddha Brogues Dark Cognac Shell Cordovan. Just one of the most insane and wonderful and bizarrely beautiful shoes that it, I own, certainly. I started out terrified of them. Uh, I love them. I barely wear them anymore. I used to wear them a bunch more for no good reason when I lived in the city. And now I'm like, it's going to take the dog and a hike. I'm a dinks. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm feeling good in these. They fit great. <sighs> I don't know. They're on, so I can't take them off. But I'm like a size like eight in these things or like eight and a half at like 11 Brannock. They're G with. Yeah, I'm planning to wear them to a wedding uh, in uh, a week and a half if the weather's right. And I don't know. I might throttle back to loafers. It's like an outdoor wedding, you know, out in the country. I think I can get away with plenty trying to warm up these dinks. We look great. We look absolutely great. And I'm proud of us. Let's get down to talking about how everybody else should look as good as us. Ha! We talk a lot about boots. We talk a lot about boot shoes. And of course, we touch on this stuff. I mean, we talk about Alden all the time and Crockett and, you know, some of these just iconic brands that their whole range is meaningful to you once you grab a pair of indie boots, like all Alden suddenly become relevant, which I kind of love about those kind of brands. But we're going to go in a little deeper today and pick apart what makes a great dress shoe what does a great dress shoe mean for different types of people talk about a bunch of styles obviously brands kind of where they fall in the value spectrum and then get into like you know some showstopper stuff some things that are kind of outside the classic zone that you would normally recommend to people if you want to have some fun which like frankly those heroes have like kind of turned into with that patina which i love and there's ways to ratchet it up from there before we get rolling into that, we need to give the dressiest possible shout out to our sponsor this week, Standard and Strange. Sign up for their newsletter, follow them on Instagram, and send Jen some fan mail to 123 Jen Boulevard, Jenville, California. Or maybe just the shop. Send the fan mail there. He'd love to hear from you. Also, we're a month away from the start of the Stitchdown Patina Thunderdome, the rollicking six-month boot and shoe aging contest with over $35,000 in prizes, which is nuts. Sponsors, we love you. Including a trip to Japan, courtesy of our incredible episode sponsor, Standard and Strange. Now, last year, a pair of dress shoes was in the top five. I think the top four with those pair of boots. We're going to count them as dress shoes for sure. They're absolutely beautiful. But to flip that, this year we've added a work boot category sponsored by Nick's Boots for anyone who's planning on really pushing their pair to the limit. And then the open category is welcome to all comers and basically any types of footwear. Somebody's wearing like a pair of, I think, Essex, uh, like Horween Natural Essex Jordans or something like that. Uh, which like last year we would have been like, I don't know, about uh, this is not for you. This guy owns like 20 pairs of boots and he's like, I think these will be fun. And I said, yes. So I hop on. It's going to be an absolute ride. And we sure hope you decide to take it with us. Sign up today on stitchdown.com. All right, Ticho, let's do this. Dress shoes. I don't wear them every day. You don't wear them every day. Not anymore, at least. 
but they're still at least occasionally essential for pretty much everyone and can be just a ton of fun when wielded correctly. Let's just get into this. And I think the most important question is, what makes you qualified to tell us about any of this, Ticho? Hmm. What do you got? Why are we even doing this? I think you could ask that question every episode. <laughs> I'm going to start. But yeah, man, I, uh, you know, I've, I've t- said before, like the way I kind of got into, you know, into all this stuff, I came from sneakers, right? I loved sneakers. And then I was in college wearing all these sneakers, went to law school and was like, uh, why am I spending all this money on sneakers? I'm literally never going to have time to wear them because I'm going to be wearing dress shoes every day. So I may as well just get super duper into dress shoes. And that's what I did for the next bunch of years. Get deep into dress shoes, buying all these mirrors and, you know, kind of like try out different styles and get a feel for what I liked and what did it for me all the way up to these, you know, these Hiro Yanagamachis I eventually ordered. I don't know. I'm just kind of the same qualification I have for doing this podcast in general, which is I love dress shoes and I have a bunch of experience with a lot of different brands because I just rolled through so many different ones to try to find the ones that, you know, really hit it for me. Now that I've, you know, no longer have to wear dress shoes for work and I uh, own a few boots, uh, so I mostly, mostly wear the boots, I still have like the dress shoes, the ones that hit the hardest, the ones that like really do it for me. You know, when I'm going to a wedding, when I'm going to to whatever, where I'm like, this is what I'm going to put on. This is what I'm going to do. You know, I still have those. I still, well, I still have a lot of them, actually. I'm looking at a bunch of them in my pile right here that are, you know, to sell. I'm looking at some Gaziano and Girlings and Enzo Bonifaz and Edward Greens and Crockett and Jones and Vosh. I'm pretty sure how you say that. We know that one. Vosh. I got Carminas here. I got... uh Dude, I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff. I gave away a lot of the lower end stuff that I had, but you know, and it's just it's really cool. Dress shoes ostensibly are very conservative, very traditional, right? It's, you know, it's a black cap toe Oxford. It's a full brogue wingtip, you know, wingtip Oxford. But every brand puts their own little spin on it. They give it its own silhouette. They've got their own little details that they put on it. What kind of sole finishing you're going to give it. And just that kind of stuff just really got me going just kind of figuring out all the little things about it that you know made everything a little different and what is the sole stitching on a Gaziano and Girling shoe you know how is that different than the Carminas you know one costs 1200 bucks one's 450 bucks am I going to enjoy this other shoe three times as much kind of I kind of did that that kind of stuff was super interesting to me it's been a bunch of years being super into dress shoes that's I guess the long and short of it is that enough accepted you're in have I been qualified as an expert here? I was texting other people while you were talking the whole time, but I'm going to stop texting them. They're not. We're not going to have them on instead. Good. Number two, now that you're qualified, what makes a great dress shoe? How do we even define that if we're going to start talking about them the whole episode? What's a good one? A great dress shoe is a dress shoe that you put on your feet and it makes you feel like a million bucks. It makes you feel great, completes your outfit perfectly. It gives you a level of confidence my background, I was a lawyer, so it was like, okay, I'm going to have to go into a courtroom today and like tell some dude he's like going to prison, but got to get a little pumped up for that. If you're not feeling like fully confident in what you're wearing, what you're doing, you know, suddenly it's like just that's just gets a little bit harder. But if you look down at your feet and you've got these 
Carmina hole cuts on that are just fit your feet perfectly and look super cool but kind of subtle so nobody's gonna like really notice that you're wearing cool shoes but you know you're wearing cool shoes and then it gets you kind of amped up you think about what shoes am I gonna wear to my wedding right the most important day of your life or you know the most important outfit the most photographed outfit you're gonna have well what's the shoe that's gonna fill you with the confidence to to go and get through that day and do you know do everything you got to do and take all these pictures and talk to all your in-laws like friends that you've never met and they're (laughs) judging you and like whatever you're just kind of like no i got this nailed i got these aldens on my feet and that's gonna be different for everybody i don't think there is an answer to what is the greatest dress shoe what is the best dress shoe the best dress shoe is the one that that you like that you put on your feet and it makes you feel good and that could be a pair of mirmans that you get for you know like 200 bucks it could be yohai fakudas that you spend a couple grand on there's no real right or wrong answer. It's uh, I think it's just super personal and super all about you and your thoughts about it. Fantastic evasive response. I told you I was a lawyer. I mean, yep. <laughs> you know, when you break it down, you've got your Oxford clothes lacing, very clean. Usually cap toe is kind of the standard Oxford configuration. You can go and get a plain toe Oxford. You mentioned your hole cuts, which obviously not obviously, but necessarily have to be an Oxford pattern. Although uh, way back when Stitchdown started, I posted this video of a John Lobb wingtip hole cut. That was just insane. <laughs> they like took this one piece and wrapped it around. And I don't think they made a lot of them. It was like a showpiece, but it was fucking incredible. But outside of that, you know, there's your Oxfords. You got your derbies and your blue shays. Lukers. Bluchers. I'm kind of starting to like Blue Shea. Sounds, you know, like a Canadian hockey player. You know I love an apron front derby, which is kind of the mock-toe boot of the dress shoe world with my J.M. Weston golfs. Your heroes are split-toe derbies. Well, it's like a yeah, it's like an apron front. You know, they do the pie crust stitching, right? Where, yep. you know, they're taking this tiny little needle and they're putting it like in the middle of the grain of the of the leather. And it's just like right underneath the surface of it. And then that's holding it all together. I love that. That was like one of the details that really sold me on on this was, I, you know, I'm at Lafoe at this trunk show and Hero's assistant was was demonstrating the technique. And I'm like, I can't believe that you can even do that. It's insane. You know, think about how thin leather is. Now you're stitching through the middle of it. It has to be perfect, right? It has to be perfect right in the middle. And you got to do it like, I don't even know, a couple dozen times. And it's got to be perfect every single time. It's crazy. It's such a cool technique. Pie crust. Delicious. Right? But the shoe reads as an apron front, right? Because you can't actually see the the split toe. It comes together so tightly and so uh, kind of seamlessly. Now with the little patina on it, it's like you really can't see it. It's super cool. Love split toes. I love them. I love how you can just rock those shoes with jeans, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we went to a Chick-fil-A, you and I, and you were wearing those with just... Like regular jeans. It works. Yeah. Driving cars and going to Chick-fil-A. And your hero, uh, pie crust split toes. We got wingtips. I continue to love wingtips. I got married in a pair of Alden long wings. I don't have a pair of wingtip boots. I had I had one for a little bit, but I didn't end up keeping them. They just weren't right for me. Like the proportions were a bit off. But, like, I'd love a pair of wingtip boots. There's something about that. Like, many a confused other person at the beginning was like, oh, these are the fancy ones. Mm-hmm. 
give me the fancy ones. And then as you start to learn more, you're like, turns out these are the least fancy ones. <laughs> you know, I'm not like a, a slight dude. I'm a bigger guy. I always like my sneakers big. Like I'm, I'm out here preaching chonk day and night. And to me... The right kind of wingtip on the right last, full brogue, the whole deal. You know, it kind of fits. I'm not trying to pretend like everything else is like nice and like tight and tidy for me, like physique wise. You know, so throw something kind of big and hefty and overdone on the bottom too. I know you don't necessarily feel this way anymore. Although I feel like you used to, right? The wingtips that I, and I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement there with what you're saying. You know, those bigger, kind of chunkier, like a Vosh, like Budapester, or like a Trickers, or these Dinks, Burton, yeah. or Dinkalot, like that kind of like a chunky, fun wingtip shoe where it is pretty casual and it, you know, you can do a lot with that. The mistake that I made and what I ended up kind of moving away from was these like dressy wingtips, you know, like a wingtip Oxford, probably one of the weirdest, like sometimes it's like every individual component of a shoe, you're kind of like, I'm into, oh, I like wingtips, oh, I like Oxfords, oh, I like cognac shell cordovan. You put those three together, it's a very confused shoe. And I've made that mistake. I had these cognac shell wingtip Oxfords and I was like, yeah, these will be cool. And I was like, what are these? What do you want to be, shoe? Right. It's like it's an Oxford, so it's pretty dressy, but then it's a wingtip, so it's a little bit more casual. Shell Cordovan, to me, even on a dress shoe, still reads a little bit more casual. Leather sole. What am I supposed to be wearing this with? You know, it's is it is this a fun shoe I can kind of wear to like weddings or something? But it's Shell Cordovan. I just paid, you know, like 800 bucks for them. So, you know, I want to be able to wear it all the time. Just didn't really add up to me. For me, a wingtip, if you're doing it in like a grained leather, you're doing it in. You know, something casual in Shell Corvin, like those dinks, you know, that really works. But I struggle with the dressier wingtips, especially like a wingtip Oxford. And I also don't really like wingtip boots. Although I don't know if we're allowed to talk about boots on this one. I actually have a note in here. Dress boots? Question mark? That's the note. Oh, yeah. Like a Balmoral boot? Yeah, something like that. Or like, or just like an Alden wingtip boot or like Carmina makes a killer shell wingtip boot that like I'm frankly obsessed with. What do you do with that? I don't know. Probably wearing with jeans or like some nice pants. I only go to so many weddings. Like the formal events are not exactly filling up my schedule these days. You know, usually I wear like my Alden Long Wings or, you know, hopefully like right now and to this wedding in a couple of weeks. Hopefully these dinks. Hopefully I talk myself into it. All that cuts against like Oxford formality and that's just me. I just want to have fun. And guess what? Like the best thing, like I guarantee you, anybody listening to this podcast, we've said this before, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to have probably the best <laughs> shoes at any like regular wedding that you go to. So like just do you, you know, especially if you're like into the kind of heartier, bootier stuff. Hopefully this is an opportunity for you to think about how you can push yourself a little bit because they really can be fun. They can be fun. Yeah, I think you, you touch on an important point, which is everything's gotten so much more casual that if you show up to most weddings in a pair of wingtip boots that are like in nice shape and, you know, are, are pretty clean and are looking pretty good, even, you know, yeah, those Carmina shell wingtip boots, like, A, you're going to probably have the nicest shoes out of anybody there. And B, no one's really going to clock that they're boots even, right? Because it is this dressier finishing and dressier kind of shape to it. It's really just a dress shoe with a shaft on it, right? 
So what's the difference? You know, it's not 1905. Like no one's going to judge you for that to think, oh, well, I love boots. I want to I'll wear boots, but I'll get these Balmoral boots. I have never found a Balmoral boot that fit well. You always end up with a weird the gap gets all weird. Like, how do you even get in them? Oh, it's a pain. It's a pain to get in them. I've done it, right? I I I tried it. I actually I once ordered some Gaziano and Girling Balmoral boots and they were sick. I mean, they were sick, dude. They looked incredible. And I laced them up one time, tried them on, and it was like, oh, there's like a weird gap. So I don't even have a big instep or anything like that, but it's still left like this you know the gap was just kind of weird and then it got tighter again and so it got went back so it just looked like kind of weird and i was like they're not very comfortable right because like oxford lacing inherently a little bit more restrictive than you know open lacing doing that up on a boot just kind of amplifies that i really struggle with the balmoral boots man i think they look super cool i think it looks cool when you see see somebody rocking a pair in like an old picture or something like that but yeah not for me and it's like no one cares anymore. No one's going to criticize you for wearing open laced boots to most things. I've worn it to court. You know, I've worn open laced boots to court. Nobody cared. No one noticed. Going down the list, you got your monk straps. Uh, you know, strap goes across the top of the shoe. There's a little buckle. I've kind of almost come around to monk straps, maybe. Uh, I don't know that. I would ever actually wear them. But the idea that I could embrace them, there's some pretty good ones out there. And, you know, especially some of the Alden dealers have been doing some pretty cool stuff with them. And then there's a shoe that Alden doesn't make, but many others do. And, you know, it kind of had its like in vogue banker, I guess, moment. Double monk, mm. two straps, that big old panel that comes across. I can't do it. I somehow came into a pair of lob double monks. John Lobb Double Monks, one of their iconic shoes, and they were quite beaten up. And I sent them off to our friend Jim McFarland down in Florida to completely restore. They came out beautifully. And I was like, you know what? My brother's the same size shoe as me. He wears a suit to work. I'm going to give him these things. Oh. And he loves them. And he wears them. That's what I did with my John Lobb Perfectly Restored Double Monks. So not for me, but like I get it. I feel like Double Monks at this point have almost become like, this casual, like, no socks kind of move. And I almost like that vibe more than this is just what I wear with my suits. I just can't quite get behind them. You know, when I was getting into dress shoes pretty heavily, double monks were on the come up. And it was like, oh, if you're like a cool shoe guy, you know, you, you wear these double monks. And people don't really know about them. This sort of more underground kind of thing. You'd see another guy wearing double monks. You'd be like, oh, cool, like double monks. One of my best friends that I made in law school was just this dude I saw wearing double monks and was like, this guy knows what's up. I think he still does know what's up. I don't think he wears double monks anymore, though. Because he knows what's up. Because he still knows what's up. It is kind of a fun shoe to wear. I'm not going to lie. You're not going to believe this, but I would like leave the straps kind of hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> I would never believe that. That was like your genesis of these like floppy engineer straps was... <laughs> Yeah, that didn't come out of nowhere, man. You know, that was... Uh, <laughs> I had a long history of doing that. Loose play double mugs? I read about the concept of sprezzatura. Oh, yeah. And they were like, what's an example of that? Oh, they don't tuck in their double monk straps? And I was like, boom, sold. I will totally just let these things flap. <laughs> Nothing more sprezzatura than reading about sprezzatura on the internet and then copying it. <laughs> yeah, just being, being on our male fashion advice and being like... 
Okay, sold. Let me put on my Uniqlo OCBD and my uh, my Mirman Double Monks with the straps flying up. They were pretty fun, man. It's a fun shoe to wear. I don't have any left. I don't have any here. Actually, that's not true. The pair that I have is um, a pair from when I worked at Taft. We came out with these crisscross Double Monks. Oh, I remember those, yeah. And I was like, now this is something. This is such a weird shoe. I just, ha- I kind of have to get a pair of these. I'm not going to lie to you, dude. They're pretty nice. I wear them. I, they're like in my closet. They're in the closet. They're not even like in the basement or in, in some other location. They're like closet status. Because if you go to a wedding in like crisscross double monks, people will notice that. And they'll be like, whoa, what's happening there? And, you know, then you start talking about your shoes, which is always my goal. I do still own those, but yeah, just the classic two, you know, two buckles on the same side. I, I kind of gave up on those. It always felt like just a little bit too, too sprezzy, you know, like too, like whatever. But I was also letting those straps flap in the wind pretty, pretty intensely. Single monks. I've never had a pair of single monks, but I agree that I like the Alden ones and they can be kind of fun. Yeah, I get it. One less monk to strap. And then look, you got loafers. I was in the city yesterday, guys in suits with loafers all over the place in the summer, like linen suits and loafers. You know, loafers, not even just in the last couple, you know, let's all go casual years. But even before that, you know, have become part of, you know, kind of certain profession uniforms to an extent or like an option for that uniform. Plan on going to this wedding, wearing a suit, maybe wearing some loafers with it maybe not and maybe not wearing the suit maybe wearing just like some slacks and a jacket loafers seem like a little more appropriate there obviously there's ranges of loafers like part of me wants to wear these suede grant stone loafers because they're incredibly comfortable they're like a top three comfortable shoe that i own and i love them and i also wear them constantly around the house and all over the place and and then i got the calf ones which are fantastic and just not suede comfort so I don't know if I'm going to end up doing that, but I wouldn't feel bad about it if I did. Nor should you. Nor should you. In modern times, right, where, you know, there are no rules and comfort is uh, is a key. I, I'm pretty often opting for the loafer, right? I've said before in on this podcast or in maybe they might have just been Grant Stone ads, but I went on a trip and I was like going to like two operas and a wedding. And I was like, I'm just going to wear these Grant Stone loafers because... I know they're going to be super comfortable. They're going to be totally acceptable for these events. It's, you know, still going to be a situation where I probably have some of the nicer shoes there. Even even people probably were wearing, you know, nicer Oxfords. But, like, nobody really dresses up for, like, operas and stuff the same way they, like, used to. Like, you think of, like, the opera pumps and stuff. I was, like, so pumped to, like, see some opera pumps. And I've been to, like, three operas in the last year. I haven't seen a single pair of opera pumps, dude. Not a pump in sight. Not a single pump. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Nobody should really be wearing those. They look kind of crazy. Like they have bows on them. Like dudes in 2022 aren't trying to wear that. I'm out here in suede grandstone loafers, super comfortable, no bows on them. Great situation. This is making me think of like Belgian slippers, which are in the vein of opera pumps. Are we considering those dress shoes at this point in 2022? Like maybe you see dudes rocking them. You could probably wear it to a wedding and, you know, if it's like a summer wedding and you're just wearing those nice little like Belgian loafers, like nobody's going to say anything, man. I, I mean, they're going to care. I mean, you see people wearing all sorts of crazy stuff to to wedding. People wear sneakers. I hate the sneaker with the suit. I'm a big anti-sneaker with the suit no. guy. No, no, Don't no. Don't sneaker with the suit. 
on top of this, there's like another level on top of pretty much all of these shoes. You know, you've got brogues. Like brogues aren't necessarily a like they are a style of shoes, but it needs to be applied to a more base style of shoes. I love brogues, man. Just punch punch me some holes. I want to get some yeah. brogues where the holes go all the way through so I can, you know, do more bog walking, which I never mm. really, you know, that, that's like the legacy of them. I don't really understand it. I guess the water's coming out as well as going in is part of it. It's also letting quite a bit in. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like the original brogues are just Crocs, right? You're just basically They're walking around. Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> Saddle shoes, which I have been kind of obsessed with since I had a child, and I noticed that Bert from Sesame Street rocks some pretty tight navy and white saddle shoes. And I, like, paused it, mm. took a picture. They might even be on, like, a wedge sole. Which then leads into spectators. Like, saddle shoes are necessarily spectators, which are essentially two-tone dress shoes. Uh, the classic spectator being, like, a, a wingtip derby. I, I kind of like those, too, man. It's pop. It's not something that, you know, I'd wear every day. It's a little 20s, and I feel like kind they came back in, like, the 50s. Yeah. Where saddle shoes get me is I feel like it is almost necessary to have kind of a saddle shoe like golf shoe right if you're if you're out 100%. golfing like now golf shoes they just look like sneakers with spikes on them it's terrible Dude, those classic foot joys man they're, they're very joyful. joyful they're super joyful and it's like you're golfing man this is an opportunity to pull yourself out of your you know your day-to-day -day life go walk around in a beautiful field get frustrated trying to hit a ball eat a hot dog at the turn you got to eat a hot dog at the turn and it has burned me many times because i have thrown up multiple times on the back nine thrown up the hot dog <laughs> uh i'm known for it i'm known for it amongst the people i golf with i think alan Edmonds still makes golf shoes that look like that foot joy i think still makes them too or it just looks like a saddle shoe there, what other opportunity do you have to wear a saddle shoe you're not unless you're like ryan styles like you're just not wearing saddle shoes I would say the caveat is, if you live in the South, totally acceptable. Get some saddle shoes. I lived in North Carolina for a couple of years and got very spectator, saddle shoe curious at that time. Seersucker suit type of stuff. I didn't. I never actually bought the seersucker suit, but man, did I want to. Because if you see a lawyer in a rumpled seersucker suit and some saddle shoes. He's like in the movie JFK. <laughs> yeah, you're going to listen to whatever he says. Like he's... It doesn't even matter what he says. You're on his side. He looks great. Just more, you know, it's a fun style. If you're if you're out here trying to have fun, that's a good direction to go with it. Well, let's have some fun uh, not talking for a minute. We'll be right back with the Dress You Cast. Tijo, it's time for Gen Facts. Oh, cool. It is cool. Of course you know this, but in case you didn't, Jen works at Standard and Strange, Oakland. He also loves tricking us in an attempt to prove he's smarter than us, which may indeed be true. To that end, he's furnished three facts, only one of which is true, while the other two are damn dirty Jen lies. We'll read all three, and at the end of the episode, us and the listeners will have to guess the true Jen fact. Ready? Okay. Jen fact number one. The term dress shoe was originally specifically used to describe women's shoes that were worn with dresses, 
as a counter to skirt shoes, which were much less formal and often featured open toes. Ooh. English men's footwear adopted the term in the early 1820s after the term chuckaboo shoes, meaning good friends, fell out of parlance. Parlance? No, parlance. I say parlance. I'll cut in the dictionary.com <laughs> guy reading it. Oh, thank you. Okay, go. Parlance. It's parlance. Yeah. Gen fact number two in 1920s England, spectator shoes were referred to as co-respondent shoes as the style, generally viewed as too flamboyant for a distinguished gentleman, were favored by adulterous men. <laughs> co-respondent was the legal description of a third party caught with a guilty party in a case of adultery. Oh, okay. Interesting. You're getting some legal overlap here for my for my skill sets we'll see see if i can suss out whether that's true or not hopefully nobody was spectating right <laughs> but i guess they got caught so maybe somebody was uh, some people are into that gen fact number three the laces on the highest end american dress shoes of the late 1800s predating general adoption of mass production were made from woven horsehair by the cw satterfield company in lexington kentucky who leveraged the city's horse population and marketed their laces with snappy copies such as As mighty as the steed that plows the fields where unfortunate lesser shoelaces cotton derives from. (laughs) (laughs) Don't need to do that episode where we just read old shoe ads. (laughs) Let's do that next season. I gotta get them together. Having read a lot of those old ads, that sounds pretty real. (laughs) What's the true gen fact? Stay tuned until the end of the episode to find out. Now back to the dress shoe cast. All right, we're back. We're all dressed up and uh, ready to talk about some dress shoes here, Ticho. We got to get into brands. We got to get into where are you at with what you want to spend. And and I think there's a couple ways to go at that. If you don't wear dress shoes all the time, you can either say, hey, I'm going to get something that's pretty affordable and is going to get it done. And you're going to be happy about it. Or if you like really know what you like, that's like a great opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to get one pair. I'm going to love these things. I'm going to wear them all the time. And I'm going to drop like 800 bucks or 1200 bucks or more hundred bucks. But you got to feel pretty confident in that. So let's start at the lower end, like which for this category, there's a whole bunch of really good shoes that you can get for under 300 bucks and sometimes closer to two. Who are you liking? When I first started getting into this almost 15 years ago, the short answer was Meerman. And it's that's still kind of the main answer you'll get for where can you go to get a, a really good good your wealth to chew for, you know, under 300 bucks. I think they do a really good job with, you know, just making classic styles, pretty nice calf skins and, and different stuff, doing some funky stuff, doing some more fun stuff here and there. I've had a bunch of their stuff. I've worn it for, for years and years, wore, wore a lot of them really hard, and they held up well thing people will say is oh well the break-in could be kind of tough on them and yeah that's that's pretty true at least it was 10 years ago that's life i guess so mirman's always a pretty solid choice for people just kind of being like well i just want a shoe it needs to be pretty attractive pretty comfortable after after i break it in the downside to that is if you're only wearing these things once or twice a year you're not gonna get there you're never gonna really break it in so you know that could be tough all right there's so much to love about mirman who else you got though one that just kind of came up on my radar, um, and actually I have a pair of boots coming from these guys, is Bridlin. 
out of India. Um, so I met these guys at the shoegazing super trunk show in London, and they were like, "Well, okay, yeah, these things are you know under three hundred bucks U.S. and they look really nice. The you know the patterns last, everything looks pretty good." I start talking to you know the guy who runs it, uh, Afan. He's like, "Yeah, we do." you know, a bunch of these cool techniques. First of all, these are channel Goodyear welt, right? So there's no gemming. There's no, if you're, if you're somebody who's concerned about your gemming failing on your, you know, sub $300 dress shoes that you're going to be pounding pavement on, you know, every single day, well, that's not going to happen on this. It's, you know, it's, it's a channel Goodyear welt construction. That's pretty crazy at that price. It's pretty nuts, right? I mean, that's something you're really only seeing on like much higher end stuff, right? Another thing that he told me that I thought was crazy is he's like, yeah, we stitch the we stitch the upper on the last, right? Because he was like, you know, when I look at people who are like tailors who are making suits, right? They're sewing the jackets and 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 stuff on this like form, right? They're not just sewing it flat. They're doing, you know, they do it on this form so that as it sews, it sits correctly. And I, he's like, I thought, what if I do that with shoes? And he's like, and it just leads to just a much, much less tension on the upper. And it, it ends up forming to your foot a little bit better. And I was like, this sounds super interesting. Like, I've, I've never heard of anybody How doing do that. How do they even do it? Like, technically. Dude, I have no idea. The suit thing makes sense. There's space, you know? I have no idea. But it looks like it's working. I'm on the site right now. Yeah. They got some good stuff. I did, uh, you know, more of a more of like a boot. They also one of, they're one of the last people who ever bought um, cat's paw heels. So they have like all these cat's paw heels, and uh, so I did kind of like a like a mock toe kind of boot in this um, black waxed wellpier calf. So it's like natural calf with black wax on it. They're gonna be cool, man. I think they're shipping them out to me this week. But all the dress shoes and stuff looked really good. And then it's um, it's also like a hanging lining, right? So the lining of the shoe. It's not glued to the upper, right? It's not just glued together. It's it's only stitched, so it moves independently. That also gives you like just a little bit more free movement. The shoe's just going to move and learn your foot really well. Feeling it. I don't know how they're hitting these prices. This is nuts. It's like Anna box calf, Baker oak bark outsoles. This is wild. All those techniques. Bless them. Yeah. Toe plates. Yeah. I'm I'm super interested in what these guys are doing. Wait, they don't even charge you more for the taps. All right, Bridlin. Yeah. Three taps, everybody. Who else you got in this uh, under 300 category, Teach? Another brand that I saw at that uh, Super Trunk show, you know, our guy Jesper, he's only bringing in interesting stuff, right? C-N-E-S. Cenus? Or just C-N-E-S? Cenus. In my head, I read it as Cenus. I don't know if that that's probably not right. Yeah, they're making their stuff in uh, in Vietnam, and the quality of this stuff was like, just really good the finishing is excellent everything on it looked super on point and they've got everything from these like sub 300 dollars just like i think they had some stuff for yeah like under 250 bucks on their website i was looking before so you could get like a black cap toe calf dress shoe that looks just stellar like really you know has the real high-end look and, and finishing on it uh for like under 250 bucks but then they also have like croc and these like crazy higher, you know, just I think the Croc stuff was like nineteen hundred bucks, which is like Croc's not my thing, but they did it really well. They had a pair of the Croc there, and for nineteen hundred bucks, I think that's like a pretty good price for it. But that's a, that's a little extra for me, but you know, to each his own, obviously. These things look great too. For five forty five, I mean, there's a shoe that it's not a hero. I'm not saying that it is, 
but it's not that dissimilar to your heroes and like the detailing on this and the little nails and just that tight waist underneath, like in this museum calf. I mean, these things look like really good. I, I think they're crushing it. I think they're, you know, the finishing and stuff. People often say like, Oh, like big portion of the cost of a shoe, right. Is the time it spends in that finishing room with people, you know, just really giving it the, that high end finish that, that, you know, that glossy shine and making sure that sole is perfect. And, you know, you have all that cool details on the sole and stuff like that. And, you know, that's something that, that these guys are doing. I think it seems pretty cool for that price. But then they also have like higher end hand melt stuff too. If you're, they've got some shell cordovan uh, wingtip Oxfords. If you, you want to disregard what I said earlier for 1300 bucks. Yeah. The 545 seems to be a hand welt. So pretty crazy price for a hand welt. Well, that's kind of the thing, right? Is as as you're getting into this, and you're like, for me as a shoe enthusiast, I quickly was like, okay, we got Blake Stitch, Goodyear Welt, Hand Welt. Those are kind of the main things you're going to see from dress shoes. Okay, well, you know, the Blake Stitch that seems like it's the lowest price point. It's you know, it's flexible. It's it's nice. But as like a kind of nerd nerdy shoe guy, I quickly was like, oh, everything needs to just be hand welted. Like I just want to. These things are going to break in better. It, I'm never going to have gemming failures which i've never once actually concerned myself with but was still paying more money for hand welted shoes nonetheless and just the fact that somebody took the time to do it you know what i mean like that somebody was just sitting there with it maybe wearing an apron and having it between their legs and just doing the stitching and it looks all cool when it's exposed it's just cool hand welting stuff is just kind of it's just cooler than something that's made more on machines that kind of carries over into the the boot stuff we talk about too, right? Just how much personal time, how many, you know, how many man hours went into this pair of shoes? You know, when you look at dress shoes where everything is kind of the same, right? It's like everybody's making black cap toe Oxfords. Why can some somebody charge 250 bucks where somebody else is charging 1250 bucks? And it's like, well, okay, maybe they have a higher grade of calf. You know, that'll account for some of the difference, but not all that difference. It's the amount of time that they're spending pouring over it, every little detail, making sure the finishing is perfect for you. On a dress shoe that you're not going to really beat up like a pair of boots, you want it to continue to look that way. And you're going to maintain that and you're going to shine it yourself and you're going to keep the edges clean. That does matter to some people. That 1250 shoe is going to be easier to maintain and be maintainable to a higher level than that 250 shoe, generally. There's other stuff in that 300-ish range. Uh, I have a pair of these Leonardson shoes, which they're like big, chunky, on a commando, uh, like scotch grain uh, wingtips, which are, are pretty fun. It's like padded insole, which I don't necessarily love, um, but it's like a nice big round last. I don't, I don't know that they're exactly dress shoes. I think they're far more casual, especially on commando sole. I think they're worth paying attention to. Belgian company manufacturer in Spain, which is like completely legit, which we'll get to in the next category. But yeah, they make like a nice little blue chair. Uh, these wingtips, I, I frankly need to wear them a little more. Not necessarily dress shoes, but I could see them kind of pushing into that a little bit in the years to come as they release more styles. In the three hundred to six hundred dollarish range, you know, there's some gimmies like Alden's starting to creep out of that range, but some of their stuff's right in there. I think we can consider it. Allen Edmonds. You know, most Grant Stone stuff's over 300 bucks. although these loafers, at least when I got them, I think were 275 We've mentioned Carmina a lot. 
trickers who are most known for their bigger, chonkier country brogues, but also have a town line that is more sleek and, and sophisticated in a lot of ways. Who else do we got here, though, outside of some of the obvious suspects, 300 to 600? I'll give it up to uh, to my boy Jay Fitz, Jay Fitzpatrick, uh, who's got, a, I'll say, a pretty fun line of, of Made in Spain shoes. Nobody goes for it like Justin. I first saw his stuff years and years ago at uh, one of those Style Forum trunk shows. He's got some fun stuff, man. He's got some, like, bit loafers that I really like. He's got a really nice austerity brogue, which is another one we haven't really talked about. I, for a time, was obsessed with austerity brogues which is just a wingtip with no brogues on it. It's a brogue without a brogue. Still, something about it is cool. It just looks different, but still kind of normal, right? Like, it's a little dressier than a, most wingtips, but it still is kind of fun. He kind of walks that line really well, I think, where it's stuff that is kind of fun, is kind of funky, but it's, it's still very wearable and very, very easy to, you know, incorporate into your life. If you're somebody who is trying to have a little bit of fun with your shoes... Uh, he's got a storefront, so you can go check it out, see the stuff in person, and pretty impressive what these, uh, what a lot of these factories in in Spain are able to do. I got that working working at TAF for a couple years, and you know, seeing what the factory, I think the two factories are across the street that make J Fitz and Taft. Just seeing what those guys could do at these factories in Spain that are mostly doing white label stuff for for other brands. Quality of the inputs, right, is everything on this stuff. If you're coming into it saying, yeah, I want to make something that's kind of junk, like the, they can make you junk and if you go to them and say well we're trying to make something really higher end and we're trying to compete with these higher end brands and they could do that too right and that's what they're doing with with Justin's stuff you know he knows what he's doing he's the shoe snob right I mean he he is the snob same with TLB Mallorca which I know you love TLB right our boy uh yeah Jesper uh through Skolix has done done a bunch of stuff with them they were also at the super trunk checking their stuff out and these are places where if you go to them and you say hey look I want leather heel structure and i want leather toe puffs and i want this level of finishing they'll do it for you they can do it there's a reason that spain is still a huge powerhouse in 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 dress shoes and it's the fact that they just have decades and decades of of skill and talent and experience there the other thing about spain tapas super underrated i love tapas yeah Another one from Spain that I've personally really dug, never had a pair, but have heard good things, Sons of Henry, uh, H-E-N-R-E-Y. They make some sneakers. You know, they started out with um, some loafers and really a very nice take on the Edward Green Dover, one of the classic split toes of all time in the Utah calf and the whole deal. Like, more than... um, a borrowing Belgian brand made in Spain, but then they've just come out with the October 10th or Octenth made to order, which is higher end, some incredibly cool stuff like braided welts. I'm looking at this spiral Oxford right now, which is like an austerity brogue, but might actually be similar to those lobs that we're talking. This can't be a whole cut, can it? I don't know. I don't think so, but it, it kind of gives that effect of this like whole cut austerity wingtip. Some double monks, and then just some classic Oxfords. I mean, these things are like their higher price point, hand welted in China line, which frankly love to see. You know, like Spain is a 
huge manufacturing center for this stuff. They do it right. Pretty sure Meerman does hand-welted stuff also in China and like Meerman, Mallorca and some work is still done in Spain. But yeah, like just what people are doing over in China with the hand-welting at pretty reasonable prices given the euro conversion right now. It's like a slightly under $700 shoe. These things look good, man. Dude, I'm looking at this right now. It is it is the spiral hole cut, man. It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a, a style that John Lobb, I think, invented for... It was like an anniversary. Incredibly hard to execute this. And yeah, I mean, this thing's ex- excluding that 528.93 euros. That's crazy. It's really nice. And it's, it's made to order. Yeah, this is like a nice made to order situation here. I mean, they've got Anna calf, Anna grain. Horween hatch. Horween hatch, Stead Janus calf. Pretty serious stuff. And all these choices. What's the turnaround here? 10 weeks? Not terrible these days. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I didn't even realize this this was a thing they were offering. Well, you know, we wrote about them on the site a couple weeks ago. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't read the website. I only do the podcast. If I can find a need for it, I don't know when those Dovers are going to happen for me. They will one day, or like, or Heroes, or, you know, just some of the really high-end guys. Yeah, this dark brown Utah calf, under 400 bucks. Split toe last is like not exactly my jam typically, but I know that's what I need for a shoe like this. I don't know, man. These things look pretty good. Thing about the the, the split toe from them, which I think looks great, it's not that hand pie crust stitching that that I described earlier, right? So that's that's kind of the thing where you know that level of of handwork is just so labor intensive. It doesn't matter where in the world you are, that's going to cost a lot of money. I'll get there one day. And then shout out to our boy Emil and Winston from Indonesia doing more work with his Midas line of really kind of rugged boots, very different than than what Winston makes, uh, which is really cool. But made to order, again, I'm actually not sure at this point if he's still doing the remote bespoke that we know people who have gotten pairs from and we're pretty darn happy with at an incredible price. But yeah, man, Winston dress shoes, like definitely the Indonesian king, and, and we know the kind of work that they're doing over there in Indonesia. Indonesia, we've talked about it a lot. Much bigger in the boot scene, but yeah, Winston's definitely the king of the dress shoes there, man. I mean, he can he puts out dress shoes that are, are, are super, super nice, like hand-welted stuff. The remote bespoke thing, that's another part of this. There, you know, there, there are some brands that are out there doing kind of like 3D, 3D scanning, that kind of stuff, or... You've got like Wayman Bespoke, who does kind of remote bespoke stuff. Like, there are places that are trying to tackle that. Probably the best thing to do is just do, I think, what Winston does, which is like a couple rounds of of trial shoes. Yeah, my buddy Iftikar did did that, and he was super happy with them. They came out great. Shout out to Iftikar. What's up, man? He was my uh, Sitch Down Secret Santa, and he hand delivered a bunch of cheese to my front door. So, always close to my heart. <laughs> Oh, he's the best. So that's that range. I mean, again, there's other stuff in all these ranges. Yeah, we want to talk about the stuff we feel pretty confident in. And then we're pushing forward. You know, in my notes here, it's like 600 to 1,000 plus, And I guess that means the world. You've got your G&Gs, the Gaziano and Girling. Absolutely beautiful shoes. You got a pair sitting right next to you. You got Edward Green. You got Lob. You got Crockett. You know, George Cleverly. 
not really sure what's going on with churches these days. I was talking to somebody the other day because I don't really pay that much attention to churches. They're like, yeah, they just raise their prices by like 30%. I don't know that they're exactly the quality that they used to be. But if people are happy with them, great. Uh, I've got my dinks on this list. Vosh, which we mentioned you know, so there are these players, these very, very important long-term players that continue to deliver. And before we get to some of the other brands that people might not be as familiar with, my question to you, Ticho, why do these shoes cost so much? Why, especially once you get over $1,000, you know, the lasts are good, the leather's kind of the same. What is it? What pushes these things from very successful long-term brands, which has worked and continues to work, what are you getting for twelve hundred bucks, fourteen hundred bucks for non-shell cordovan? And you know it. You you've lived this life. Over a certain point, right? You're you're paying for the finishing. You're paying for the materials. You want the best, right? You're somebody who's like, I want the top of the line stuff. Uh, you got to pay for that. At the end of the day, like that's what it costs. These are places that are manufacturing. You know, mostly in in Europe, in England, right? I mean, it's they're hopefully paying their workers pretty well. They have very skilled pools of labor that, you know, can make this stuff. But then at a certain level, you're just, you are paying for design. You know, you are paying for it to just look a certain way, right? If you're if you're buying John Lobbs, right, you're buying it because it's a John Lobb and it, it just has this classic history. It has this classic design. It has this classic look and Everything that goes into that company goes into each pair of shoes that they make. If you're somebody who cares about that and that's important to you, then you could buy the the October 10th made in China version of it for 528 euros. It's not going to hit you the same as if you go down to German Street and buy them at, at John Lobb, a store I have always been too intimidated to walk into. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to the one in New York, but I was like on a mission. Even then, I was like a little, little jittery. Yeah, like I walked by their store with my wife. We like went to London in like 2013, maybe, and we're like walking down German Street. We, you know, we went into Crockett, and I'm like, dro- you know, just drooling over all the Crockett stuff because there's, you know, their stuff just looks so good. You know, I'm in Edward Green. I'm just, you know, my jaw is just like on the floor looking at their stuff. And then we walk by uh, John Lobb. I'm looking in the window, and I'm like, oh yeah, John Lobb, and. You know, there's just, there's no one in the store. There's just one old man working there. He I, he might have been smoking a pipe. I, I don't know if he was smoking a pipe or reading a paper or something. Hope so. He looked like Winston Churchill just sitting in there. I was like, nah, I don't need to go into this one. She's like, why, why not? You know, like you've gone in all the other ones dro- drooling all over everything. Like, why is this different? And I was like, it just feels different. You know, it just feels like there's something else about John Lobb that makes me like, not want to go in. That's not for me, you know. That's 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 for a different guy, right? At a certain extent, it's like, what kind of guy are you? Are you a Crockett and Jones guy? Like, are you a John Lobb guy, an Edward Green guy, a Gaziano and Gerling guy? I've always gravitated more towards Gaziano and Gerling. It's you know, it's a little, a little sleeker, more modern, but still very British. And their lasts are just spectacular. And a pair of dress shoes that I have that I'll never sell, even though they're just kind of a pair of dress shoes are these Gaziano and Gerlings. It just hits different. Everything about it is just it. I'm happy for you. Tell me about Acme, which is, as I understand, and, you know, our fellow D.E. Shelvage would probably say this, and really one of the great hand-welt makers 
in the world coming out of China. This is another one from the Super Trunk show that really stood out to me. The prices for stuff that they're making are kind of insane for the level of, of, of quality that it has. You know, you see you see the photos on Instagram, right? You see, you know, you see Shell Veg's pictures and you're like, your eyes just like pop out of your head. You know, they just look in, insanely good. Just everything about them is perfect. The finishing is just top notch. The patterns are just, they look perfect, right? Like they, they look like the perfect shoes almost. All right, I'm super into the, the split toe uh, blukers. How could a split-toe blooker look better than this, than the one they make? You know, I'm wearing here Yanagamachis, and I'm still looking at these things like, how, how could anything look better than these acnes? You know what I mean? It's, it, it's insane. And seeing them in person, it really was like, oh, my God. Like, they're just, they're bonkers. They look insane. And it seems like they can just, any pattern, do anything, crank it out to this insane degree of quality for, like, not even that crazy of a price. I think they're, like, you know, like around 2000 under 2000 it's like sixteen hundred for, I I don't know if those are David shoes necessarily with that welt stitching and everything, but uh, really not crazy. Like really not crazy for the the quality that they're putting out. But they also just at that price point, right? You needed to have that id factor to it, which like you know a lot of these brands do have, right? I mean Edward Greens have that, Cortez have that, you know St. Crispin's have that, where you, you just look at it and you're like, oh, this is obviously. One of the nicest shoes in the entire world. And Acme has that. It's really showing the, the level of quality that is coming out of China now. It's really impressive. I'm, you know, not super in the market for like $2,000 dress shoes right now. But man, was I tempted by those split toes, dude. I mean, just everything about them. The like the patinas are really subtle and like rich. I mean, the finishing is just perfect. It, I, I was super impressed with their stuff. And I think as they become more well-known over here in the U.S., I think it's, you know, it's definitely one to watch to compete with all these other guys at the top end here. Super cool stuff. Acme, they make fantastic uh, cartoon rockets and similarly wonderful shoes. What do you know about Antonio, going to nail this one, Micariello, another Shelvage favorite? Again, not my kind of shoes, but like showstoppers in exactly the way that you've been speaking about. It's the same kind of thing, man, where it, I think it's just him making the shoes. I think it's a little bit of a smaller kind of workshop kind of situation. Maybe he's got a couple people working for him. Yeah, they're just incredible. He's doing these unique patinas. He's doing next level finishing and next level details. And it, it for sure has that it factor for me. And I, I have no idea how to pronounce this name i would would butcher it but i know how to spell it my phone will autocomplete if i write mec it autocompletes it's like two c's one r and two l's you're trying to refer to mecca you end up talking about shoes which i think is good they're very similar to again somebody you know somebody being myself who doesn't know everything about this category and especially like the, the tiny little details where it's largely classic to an extent and they veer outside this, but like pattern wise, and and then the last seem to have like a little bit of edge, bringing those braided welt and that pie crust and and those kind of things, and then just like wacky, you know, museum or hand painted patina leathers, and then I'm looking at one right now where part of the outsole looks like a cheetah. Shit, those are the things that that push it over the top, right? Like Edward Green is driving towards perfection. Meccariello, uh, the classic Italian pronunciation, and Corte and, and things like, I guess Corte is a little bit more 
Like, we got patterns that you can't beat, that kind of thing. But there's, like, a little bit of different. It's outside of, like, pure classic perfection, which is kind of fun. I, I feel like if I was going to drop a bunch of cash on a pair of dress shoes, maybe it would be some Edward Greens. Part of me would want, like, a little bit of zip to them, you know? And, like, and everything else done perfect, but, like, a little bit of zip. Oh, they got a, a little picture of the pie crust happening. Oh, man. Yeah, his pie crust is so good, man. If John Lobb is like a Jaguar, these are like Lamborghinis. Even if you just look at like a black Capto Oxford that he makes, and one thing I love about him is his last. He has his last called the Hawksbill last. It just looks like the perfect round dress shoe last. It just has this like perfect kind of like off center, but still super balanced kind of look to it, right? Almost like a bird's bill, right? Which I think is kind of where the name comes from for years just been like some kind of Oxford on this thing. It would be incredible. These things are dope. The other pair that I'm pretty sure our boy Shelvedge has is the, uh, he has like the peccary pie crust loafers. He's got this peccary leather and it's got this like incredible depth of color to it. It's like this brown, but it's got like these little black, almost like bristle holes or, you know, like pores or something. And it just has this incredible texture to it. And then he's like shined it all up. He's given it this incredible finish. And then he's done this like super tight, super intricate pie crust stitching and the the split toe. They're wild. They're so good. Dress shoes. I love them. I feel like we have to have Jesper back on and we'll give him a list of all the dress shoe brands that we do know (laughs) and have already (laughs) talked about. And then we can really get into it. Hopefully this is a pretty solid warm up. I, I feel like a brand like that, we mentioned Corte, naturally leads us into... Like, what if you do just want to go for it and you want to do it at different price tiers? Let's just go kind of high and low for this one. Bold style choices. You want a little extra. What do we got there? Like, who's fun? Uh, another Indian brand that somebody tipped me off to on uh, on Instagram the other day was this brand Toro Mali. T-O-R-A-M-A-L-L-Y. They have an Instagram and you can check this stuff out. They're doing like a lot of like tattoo stuff where they're like tattooing the leather on the shoes. Some of them look like like Renaissance paintings. It was it, they're incredible. They've got like dragons they'll do and they'll do just like custom, like custom stuff for you and the prices are like not bad. I mean for that level of obviously the more intricate it is the more expensive it's going to be. But like the base level shoes are like in the 300s. They look really good by themselves without the crazy tattoo kind of stuff. So my idea, I looked at this and I was like, one of my favorite paintings that I learned about in the art history class I took in college, Garden of Earthly Delights by Hieronymus Bosch. Bosch. Yeah, he's got a TV show. Wild painting, never seen his show. I'm like, what if I get this crazy painting tattooed on like a pair of loafers or something? Like just inspired by that. I'm tempted to... This is the downside of doing this podcast is I then do this research and end up wanting to buy three grand worth of shoes that we've talked about today. I do not wear Oxfords. I never wear them. I own a pair. They've never been worn. I want these spectator Oxfords that they have right now, (laughs) like hand-painted spectator Oxfords, which are like kind of subtle-ish in their spectatorness. Like, I think these are actually the dress shoes that I want. We figured it out. I haven't handled their stuff. This guy is on the ground. He's like been at their place checking it out. He t- tipped me off on it. It looks super rad. Yeah, I definitely want to check out a pair of their stuff. Higher end of things, uh, I'll give it up for my man, Norman Volanta, who 
is another former lawyer turned shoe guy from Argentina. He now makes his stuff in Spain. He does like full bespoke stuff. I think he's in Barcelona. Super cool guy. Comes to Lafoe, I think every year, twice a year, something like that. He should be here in the fall. But he also does these like ready to wear. And the pair that he is kind of known for are these like, it's not technically a shoe, Chelsea Derby. Are you familiar with these things? I don't think I've seen them. Okay. All right. Check this thing out. It's like a Chelsea, but then it's got like a derby facing that goes over it to kind of hide the gore. They look really cool. And he, the patina work is some of the best in the world. Oh, I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, it's cool, right? It, These are different. Oh, yeah. And he does a lot of stuff on like commando soles and this like patina, especially on like grained leather. So it has this like kind of 3D, like a ton of depth to it. Faux will sometimes have those. That's where I've seen them. You're looking at, yeah, like over, you know, like 1,200 euros, something like that. Yeah, Norman. Cool guy. I'll, I'll stand for anybody who gave up on being a lawyer and decided to do shoes instead because it's pretty solid call. Pretty solid call, I'll say. I feel like it's got to be the right lawyer. I don't think we should encourage all lawyers to start making shoes and expect success. I'm going to say that if every single lawyer in the world suddenly started doing shoes instead, the world would actually be a much better place. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe we should, even if the shoes are no good. Yeah, who cares? We're out here fighting for the world. Look, as far as I'm concerned, TJ, I think you did a pretty decent job right there. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, yeah, it's been a couple of years since I've been deep in the dress shoe world, but I'm uh, like I've kind of rekindled my love for it from uh, from recording this. So I'm gonna go uh, see how much money is in my PayPal. <laughs> Not enough. Not enough. Keep me looped. To kind of cap off this classy episode, we got to circle back to the classiest man that we know. We got to figure out this gen fact, man. Oh yeah. It's time to reveal the true gen fact to refresh gen fact number one. It would be cool to have an episode on cuckaboo shoes, uh, but instead we now all call them dress shoes. So I guess we just did it. Gen fact number two. If you're wearing spectator shoes, apparently you're cheating on your spouse. Dead giveaway. Gen fact number three. High-end horsehair laces used to exist. I kind of want some. What do you think? Mm. These, these are like... These are hard, man. These are hard. Um... To me, it's like if you're wearing a dress, or you're wearing a skirt. Uh, that, that seems like the same. Fo- I don't know enough about women's fashion to really uh, to it's know. It's a that different well. level of formality. Okay, all right. I guess yeah, it probably is. But yeah, chuckaboo shoes. You know, then you have chuckas, right? So there, that that is in the mix. Correspondent. Yeah, that could be some old English legal legal stuff. They have all sorts of weird legal stuff, like they wear wigs and things like that. What is a barrister? I have no idea. Uh, and I went to law school, so I wonder if you have to match the wig to your shoes, or, you know. I'm going to say number two. I'm going to say number two is true, because, uh, I don't know. If you're wearing a funky shoe like that, maybe you're getting up to some funky stuff. I'll say gen fact number two. And the winner is... Ticho, you got it. I'm so good at this. I've been talking this whole episode about how I want some spectators. I don't know if I got to like retract that. (laughs) Yeah, just don't tell your wife this gen fact. She doesn't listen. I have kind of a spectator shoe here. So yeah, I don't. My wife also doesn't listen. But uh, I said my father-in-law does. Uh, My spectators are Edward Green wingtips that were white suede when I got them in a trade. And uh, I had 
Steve from Beto Sleatherwork dye them green. And uh, he told me that there were 490, I think he said 498 or 499 broke holes that he had to individually do with a little brush. And that he was like <laughs> furious with me for sending them to him. <laughs> Two bucks a broke hole. And they're really cool and they're sitting right here. So uh, I should probably wear them more often. They're fun. Well, put them on because you just won and yeah, go uh, out on the town safely. We need you to keep having that basement so we can record these. But look, <laughs> great work, Ticho. Jen, decent try. You'll get us next time, I'm sure. Next season, uh, yeah, we'll take a little break, come back really before too long, and, and get a whole bunch of episodes out before the end of the year. Uh, we're thrilled about that. We're thrilled about Standard and Strange sponsoring this episode and the Stitched Down Patina Thunderdome. And offering up the best in dome grand prize of a pair of clinch boots and a friggin' trip to Japan. I mean, you got to do this. If you if you know about that, you have to do this contest. Uh, so go ahead and sign up for the dome today on stitchdown.com. Love you guys at SNS, even Jen. And thank you to you, dear Ticho, for being a once fancy individual. You've helped us all immensely today. Anytime, buddy. I'm... Really excited to go. It is now 10.30 at night. I'm really excited to go take this uh, suit off. I don't know. Why, why would we actually do this? <laughs> we look great. We look great. This was kind of over the top. We didn't need to do that. And I might sleep in mine. At least the pants. They're so comfy. You forget that about suits. You're like, oh, I feel good. Yeah, it does feel good. I like wearing suits. Look, that's it for this week and the sixth season of the Stitch Down Shoe Cast. Take care of your shoes, especially the fancy ones. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.